Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of the podcast is to share topics as well as guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. I'm so excited to have my guest today, Greg Whiting. Yes. Greg is a healer who helps leaders and entrepreneurs heal anxiety, depression, chronic pain, and trauma. They can't think or they can't talk their way out of. He is the founder of Prisma, a framework overlaying trauma, neuroscience, and energy medicine with somatic and mindfulness-based practices. He developed this while healing his own anxiety, depression, and chronic pain rooted in trauma. This included unraveling a severe spinal curvature and standing three inches taller today. Over the last two decades, Greg has helped thousands heal through his one-on-one practice and has certified hundreds of healthcare professionals in his methodology. His new online course and community now make healing practical and accessible to all. Our theme for today is going to be Heal the past, lead the future. Please join me in welcoming Greg Wayne. Welcome, Greg. How are you, Vicki? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a sunny day now. It was a rainy day in Georgia for a bit there. <laughs> I always start out with an easy question for you to get things rolling, and that is, where do you call home? Where do you live? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco. I'm going on nine years here. Um, grew up on the East Coast in New York. I've spent some time in Montana, Seattle, uh, Southern California, India. Oh, wow. You are well-traveled. Yeah. And what a difference to go from New York to California. <laughs> <laughs> Different worlds, for sure. Yes, that's for sure. So my first question is, I think, a good one because... Um, it's, it's probably something that a lot of people struggle with, but why is trauma our greatest liability? You know, I think first and foremost, many of us don't identify with trauma. So um, if we're not aware of the trauma we're carrying, um, that's definitely going to be problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, trauma is lived experience that we have endured where we you know, that is imprinted upon us because we haven't felt supported. We felt isolated and alone. So, you know, trauma sets up a pattern of hypervigilance. It sets Mm -hmm. up a pattern of guarding and protecting. And, 
you know, I find a lot of the folks I work with in the realm of leadership, you know, there's this, this hustling and this pedal to the metal drive, which <laughs> to some degree helps us build some level of success, yeah. but uh, does it ever help us actually, you know, enjoy the fruits of our labor, yeah. uh, actually help us ever take the foot off the gas and, you know, live into greater presence. So I think trauma has us living very much past future orientation and that robs us of our power. Yeah. The whole, the old saying, take time to smell the roses. Yeah. Yeah. Where do we turn pain into purpose or how do we turn that into purpose? You know, I find much of the work, excuse me, much of the work I do is really helping people derive a sense of purpose Mm -hmm. inside of themselves. I think we live in a world where we're busy looking for purpose outside of ourselves, (laughs) um, which can kind of leave us kind of with that carrot dangling in front of us. And I think when we make sense of adverse experience, you know, I think when we mine the gold of unresolved trauma, Mm. you know, that's where we can start to piece together and make sense of our lived experience, which helps mm-hmm. us kind of locate a sense of place and meaning and significance within, within ourselves and within mm-hmm. the world. You know, and I think of purpose, um, you know, the concept of swadharma is a term that, you know, we live within the cosmic order. And so like no star ever questions its place right? (laughs) Every star is a part of a constellation and no star is trying to be something it isn't. So I look at healing as helping us land in understanding, you know, our, our true nature and resting Mm. within ourselves. And, you know, in, in terms of leadership, I think it's more so who we are than what we are doing and who we are when we're doing it. Um, and so kind of shifting from extrinsic motivation to intrinsic motivation, which is really emanating from, from just being ourselves and how can that then have a ripple effect in offering a sense of kind of a healing ripple effect in the world. Yeah. Really understanding your why and accepting who you are, you know, so many people are trying to be something else, maybe what other people, they perceive other people are expecting and and never being happy with who they are. And that, I would think, adds to trauma, well, anxiety. How, yeah, how much of that is organized around a survival response, right? So mm. if we're not feeling safe within the world, how much of ourselves are we hiding or how much of ourselves are we performing um, to protect ourselves, to keep ourselves safe, to get Mm -hmm. our needs met. So Mm -hmm. much of healing is reconciling that tension and Mm. understanding that actually we can locate a sense of safety within the world while being ourselves. Um, And that's easier said than done, depending on are where we are in the world what our identity is and the different you know social structures that are in place that are impacting us based on our identity um but i think that's an important path it 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 actually too 
we need to understand that it's not a one and done or or um, a three hour course is going to make us better. It's really kind of changing your behavior, which takes a long time, you know, I mean, just little little things. Why is our current health care and mental health care system broken? And how do we actually heal the anxiety, depression and chronic pain that's symptomatic of unresolved trauma? And, and we only have 30 minutes, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question, but, you know, I think what we're seeing today in the world of healthcare is sick care. We're treating yeah. illness. We're not treating people. Right. We are chasing and suppressing symptoms as opposed to creating the climate for, for health, for healing. Um, you know, and in the realm of mental health, you know, I work with helping people heal anxiety and depression. You know, we have been kind of sold on the, the mm -hmm. myth that chemical imbalance is the cause of mental illness. Yeah. And that that's not, that's simply not true. It hasn't been proven. Um, and so we need to take a step back and look at what's actually causing the chemical imbalance. And why don't we address those causative factors? Mm -hmm. Unresolved trauma often being a, a big component of that. And if we create the climate to heal trauma, often brain chemistry starts to find a new balance, and then the symptoms of anxiety and depression can start to resolve. So, you know, I like the imagery of the body being a symphony orchestra. Mm -hmm. So every organ and tissue and muscle, every emotion, every thought is part of that symphony orchestra. And when we're experiencing health, then we are making music. You yeah. know, there's a harmony of being. Yeah. And because of stress, because of trauma, you know, the nervous system gets short-circuited and that harmony starts to get disrupted. So we start to create dissonance. We start to make noise, right? Mm. And the noise then starts to creep up by way of our symptoms and our illness. Um, and so, you know, we need to look at how we can approach healing in a way that just helps to break up the noise uh, as opposed to um, treating the treating the illness that is symptomatic of the noise. Um, and that's, you know, the work I do with energy medicine and somatic and mindfulness-based practices affords us an opportunity to, um, to do that um, and to let the system return to its own understanding of itself. Um, you know, the term innate wisdom was first developed in chiropractic, and that's the term that I use in my practice and I share with my students. You know, if we have a paper cut, there is an in innate wisdom, a healing mechanism that sends platelets and proteins and orchestrates all these biochemical transmissions. And we don't have to think about that. That mm -hmm. happens despite us. Yeah. And so when, you know, the nervous system gets short-circuited and we're making noise, the more noise we make and the less, the less music we're making, the more disconnected we are from that innate wisdom. Yeah. And so healing is just helping us get back in touch with that innate wisdom. And when we do, then our body's natural capacity to heal comes back online. Um, so then we don't have to think about trying to fix something that's broken. We just have to reconnect to the inherent wisdom that's forever present that mm. we just, you know, forget how to access. 
as you're talking, I'm wondering, you know, if your clients or someone that maybe is thinking about being a client of yours, how long does it typically take them to grasp where their trauma is coming from? You know, is it um, something that is a, you know, peeling of the onion situation? Or do you have just breakthrough sessions and you can help them, you know, very quickly? What, you know, what do you typically see? Yeah. Well, there is no typical, you know. Um, you know, each of us has our own unique lived experience. We all have mm-hmm. our own life stories. We all have our different wounding and different imprints of yeah. hurt and harm, uh, and how, and the, the resources and the tools we've had along the way, um, mm. are different for each of us. So how those imprints of trauma have calcified inside of our tissues and our cells uh, and our brain and our nervous system, you know, is very different for each of us. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's an idea called titration, where, mm. you know, the idea of trauma, when trauma imprints upon us, it's too much too soon, where there's an overwhelming experience that we just don't have the capacity to process and make sense of. So healing is helping to slow everything down so we can start to process what previously was, you know, was too much for us to chew, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so that titration looks unique for each of us, you know, like I'll sometimes meet a client where they now have capacity and depending on their, you know, previous lived experience that stuff can process and surface and they can move through it with great speed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And other times it's going to be a much slower gradual process. Um, You know, and I think a trauma-informed approach to healing is to follow the body's innate wisdom, not to guide it or instruct it. Ah. So I'm never, I'm never scratching my head trying to figure out what that is for my client. Um, how I'm working is just following what is emerging through the work, and that that wisdom is guiding the process unto itself. Uh, with that said, you know, I'm never digging for trauma. A lot of times I'm not even discussing trauma with my clients because I'm here to just help them connect to their innate wisdom. And right. when they connect to their innate wisdom, then they can sort out their trauma on their own, right? So, you know, a perfect example, a client recently said that they were just doing dishes and all of a sudden just, just a, a wave of clarity kind of flushed through them. <laughs> And they just had a new relationship in their mind and in their emotions to, you know, a, a very traumatic incident with a family member. Um, and in the time we worked together, you know, aside from them mentioning that experience in our initial phone conversation, we never discussed it, right? So mm. we never we never touched that directly. Yeah. But you know, as we helped the the symphony orchestra start to come <laughs> back online and make music you know, I look at healing as returning us to a state of wholeness. So yeah. then these imprints of trauma that have us feel feeling fragmented, isolated and alone, you know, start to be put into perspective. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's very unique for each of us. Yeah. So to me, it is like peeling the onion, only you're letting self-discovery, which I think is the best way for behavior change, right? Mm-hmm. 
the link between trauma and mental illness. What is that? And why is, as you said earlier, chemical imbalances a myth and a lie? How, how do we um, get over, get through that lie that, you know, because there's always the medical field you want to try to listen to, but, you know, how do we know that, that we're on the right path, I guess? So I'm all for an integrative approach. And again, depending on where folks are in their journey, they may have a dependence upon medications to manage the symptoms of uh. trauma. And I want to honor that. Uh, I look at the, 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 the danger of the myth that chemical imbalance is what mm -hmm. needs to be treated because it's what's causing mental illness is that it becomes then our first go-to in terms of treatment, mm -hmm. as opposed to addressing, you know, you know, and I look at if we're going to just treat anxiety or depression or mental illness, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We need to mm -hmm. look at what the underbelly of the iceberg is. Yeah. But when we're just treating chemical imbalance with medication, we're not looking at the multitude of causative factors that are beneath the surface. Yeah. So I think that fast tracks a lot of people to become dependent upon medication. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in my years of practice, I've seen hundreds of clients either reduce or eliminate their need on antidepressant mm -hmm. pain meds and uh, anti-anxiety meds and all sorts of um, synthetic hormones. Because when we start to resolve, you know, when trauma resides within the body, you know, it literally lives within our cells and mm -hmm. in our tissues. So that emotional stagnation compromises our immune system. It you know, stagnates the, the circulation of blood, nerve, and mm -hmm. um, that's going to impact hormonal balance, which then has an impact on behaviors and, you know, our ability to manage and regulate emotion. So that has an entire cascading effect on our physiology mm -hmm. and on and on. So as we start to heal the imprint and the residue of trauma on the body, the body again has a remarkable capacity to plug back into that innate wisdom to heal. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've had clients over the years that say, you know what, I'm really, I'm in a good place with my meds and I have no agenda. My agenda is for my clients to feel the best they can, Yeah. whether that means they're on medication or not, that's their business. And that's between them and their healthcare provider. Um, but I, years ago, I had a client who said, you know, I feel really good with where I'm at with my meds. But within nine months of our work together, they said, you know, actually, I'm talking with my doctor and we're going to start to, you know, wean off the yeah. medication because I'm in a different place now. I'm no mm -hmm. longer harboring the pain of the past in my tissues, in my cellular memory. And so I can think differently. I can mm. behave differently, right? So um so yeah, the, the goal is just wellness. And if we need to lean on the support of um, pharmaceuticals to locate wellness, so be it. Uh, I, I think when we give the system the tools and the strategies to heal trauma, we, we become less and less dependent on that sort of um, support. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know a number of folks that they started out with one 
thing that was caused by that underlying being trauma. So, you know, the doctor prescribed this, but then the trauma didn't go away. And so now there's a new issue or new pain. So there was another drug. And then all of a sudden now you're up to 20 different drugs and you still don't feel good. You still don't, you know, you aren't where you need to be. So I absolutely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And so go ahead. Well, and I get that, you know, when I, I started my healing journey, you know, you mm -hmm. mentioned me unraveling the curve in my spine. So mm -hmm. I used to live in horrific chronic pain, you know? So mm -hmm. in adolescence, I self-medicated with alcohol. And, you know, once I graduated college, I thought that's probably not the best strategy for me anymore. And so all I knew was, well, I'm probably going to have to start to take some sort of pain meds, yeah. and antidepressants, because um, that's all I knew. And, mm -hmm. you know, by serendipity, I was introduced to energy medicine by a friend and, mm. you know, realized I'd found something I didn't even know I was looking for. Yeah. But that's just not really on the menu for most folks. Yeah. And if it's not on the menu, we don't, we don't know we can um, access it. Wow. So how do we remove the stigma of mental health? You know, people, I don't want to go to a therapist. I don't want to go you know, I, I'm just going to go to my primary care. So, and they're not really addressing what the issues are. How do we, how do we get rid of that? Yeah. You know, if we're willing to go to primary care to get care for our physical body, um, developing an understanding that, you know, our subconscious and unconscious mind live in the body. And so the physical illnesses that we are going to our primary care physician for actually have an, a mental emotional component. They're not yeah. separate. Mm -hmm. um, so you're only treating part of the equation um, when you're taking that route. Um, but I think it's also taking a step back and for me examining that what if anxiety and depression are actually a very healthy response to an unhealthy world. Mm. Uh, and what if we need to then also look back at how we can work with that in more of a community centric manner? Mm. I think we're so conditioned to treating mental illness and isolation as if it's an individual problem. Yeah. But I think it's really a much larger crisis, which is why I'm very compelled to work in leadership and in, you know, culture to create, you know, a culture of wellness, yeah. right? The leader is to regulate the collective nervous system. And, you know, we're not seeing that happen on the collective, you know, we're living in a culture that feeds off of division and isolation and fear and violence, which is, you know, the breeding ground for, for mental illness. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think mental health, you know, and I, I don't even like the word mental illness because I think that stigma is even just invented in that word. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'd say, you know, these are trauma responses, which yeah. are healthy responses to a harmful world. Mm. So how did you develop Prisma and what is it? Yeah. Well, I found that although traditional therapy was was and has been very valuable in my life. Mm -hmm. There was some limit to how I was able to heal how trauma was physically living in my body and yeah. kind of keeping me stuck in these loops of chronic pain that were then activating more of the anxiety <laughs> and the depression. 
So fortunately, I was introduced to energy medicine um, just by happenstance through a friend. I was living in so much chronic pain at the time, and it was a, a friend who was a massage therapist who offered me a massage. I didn't want physical touch. So she said, well, let's try some energy medicine. We can just work you know, on a much more subtle level. I had never heard the term energy medicine, so this yeah. was completely foreign to me, but I had you know, implicit trust in my friend. And, you know, within moments of her working on me, you know, my whole body just started to melt. And, you know, it was this exhale and this release of just stored tension in my body. Mm. But, you know, I had no capacity to understand how to release on my own prior to that. So I knew I found something I didn't know I was looking for. And within a year, I started to study energy medicine, which then led me to continuing to study actually for the four years I was living in Seattle with that um, teacher who was also my therapist. Um, and that kind of catapulted me to India where then I was studying meditation, came back to the States and then kind of started studying yoga and Ayurveda. And when I moved to San Francisco years later, uh, one of my first students when I was teaching kind of a integrated energy medicine and yoga training mm -hmm. Uh, one of my students at the time was a therapist and she said, you know, you're really teaching a, a trauma-informed approach to healing, which I also didn't have that language at the time, trauma. Mm. I knew I was healing my own trauma, but I hadn't studied trauma at the time. Mm -hmm. And she was an instructor at the California Institute of Integral Studies teaching trauma in the oh. psychotherapy department. Mm -hmm. So she invited me to assist her in her course so that's when I started to kind of develop more of this trauma neuroscience framework. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the last 18 years have been, you know, piecing together all of these aspects to support my own healing. And I kind of teach what, um, what the tools I have accessible to me and then kind of reverse engineered that into an entire system. And so you know, I have a trauma and neuroscience roadmap. The seven prisma pillars are kind of the drop pins on that roadmap that kind of mm. help, help you understand where you are on this road of healing. Mm -hmm. Right. Be a bumpy road. Um, and then the somatic and mindfulness-based practices are kind of the mind training, which, you know, help us, the years talking about behavioral change earlier, you know, help to reorient the mind from pain to possibility. Yeah, wow. We can get really stuck on kind of the negativity bias of what's going wrong. And some mind training mindfulness is mm. helping to create new neural pathways to see that there are other possibilities. Yeah. Awesome. Um, then awesome. I, you know, I, I know we're almost wrapping up, but could you, just briefly, there may be some people that don't understand what en energy healing is. Can you just briefly explain a little bit about it? Sure. So, you know, kind of back to that symphony orchestra. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think it's easy to use an example. I once had a client that came to me with a football sized fibroid. Um, and I said, well, if we work together, we're going to help help your system reconcile the mental, emotional imprints that are stored in those tissues and those mm. cells, right? So energy medicine helps to kind of work with the subconscious, unconscious mind that lives in the body. And when there's trauma, 
tied into you know the the subconscious and the unconscious um it's you know healing helps to bring that to light so our work together helped them start to process you know some pretty big loss helped them move through a bunch of fear mm. um, and really start to understand those pieces and again make sense of those emotional imprints that previous in life were just historically too overwhelming for them to look at or mm. touch. And in the process, the fibro shrunk and continued to shrink and continued to shrink. And then they also felt like they were ready to take next steps to kind of have it looked at medically. So, you know, energy medicine is working with how the imprints of trauma reside within our tissues and our cells. Mm-hmm. And all these tools together are just helping us live more in presence. And there's, that's where we find our power. That's where we find our aliveness. Well, it is time for rapid fire. I'm sure that we could spend, as I said earlier, three hours on this. This is so fascinating. But for rapid fire, this is where I give you a phrase and you have a minute or so just to give whatever comes to the top of your mind. So the First one is eliminating dependence on antidepressants. Um, and easy. I come up, I'm easy coming for up me. A word or a phrase you're saying? No, no, you can just when I say eliminating depress or dependence on antidepressants, you know, what comes to mind is yeah, that's, How, that's individual choice. Yeah, individual choice. And, and I, can't, I think that goes back to where you were talking about, you know, sometimes your folks stay on the medicine and have your treatment. And sometimes they find that it's okay now to work with their doctor to decrease those. Importance of sleep. I, I wasn't sure as I was reading your bio, what's your take on this? You know, I have my my take on um, the importance of sleep at being an older woman, but um, I definitely would like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, sleep, very critical, very, very (laughs) critical. That's a lot of healing is happening during sleep, a lot of regeneration, restoration. Yeah, and you know, so many women in in their 60s and um, 50s and 60s, I guess, have a hard time sleeping. And I wonder what traumas back behind that, you know, that's, um, I know some of it's hormonal, but still it is so important. I'm like you, it is so critical. Yeah. And, and yet so many people struggle with this. Well, you know, I imagine at that phase of life when the hormones are going through a change, you know, the, the hormones and the nervous system are, are very linked. So the nervous system will then have to, mm-hmm learn how to recalibrate to kind of a new baseline. Yeah. And also, you know, as you were talking about entrepreneurs and uh, the high power on, on go always, uh, I think that also impacts with your ability to sleep because your mind is not turning off. Right. Yeah. When I like, I like the imagery of the nervous system being like a seaplane that, you know, it lands on water and then it bounces up it lands on water, it bounces up. And so the nervous system, we have to train it to finally settle and land. Mm. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned earlier, that's not a one and done. That's, right. you know, that, that takes practice. Right. Um, right. And 
even when we are well-versed in having the nervous system land, we're going to go through phases of life that that gets challenged where some of the tools or some of the rhythms that we were accustomed to start to shift based on, you know, the phase of life we're in. And so then we're going to have to develop yeah, a new, a new relationship to that. Yeah. Always pivoting, right? So. Uh, so my next one is, and it, early on, I was going to ask this, but I thought it would be great to say for here, the power of the subconscious. Yeah, it's, it's running the show. You know, the conscious mind is what we think we believe, but the actually what we believe. So it's, it's everything yeah. uh, for better or for worse. And so that's why a mindfulness-based practice, a healing practice helps us become aware of the subconscious. So yeah. we're less of its effect. Yep. So what did the last two years teach you? Yeah, for me, the last two years were a, a deepening into my own practice. I think, you know, and you mentioned the word pivot, you know, so there was a lot to pivot, to recalibrate. And for me, my my choice in that pivot was to be slow and steady. You know, I look at urgency as a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And so as I was kind of <clears throat> shifting gears from, you know, teaching in-person events to building an online community. Um, for me, it was slow and steady. It was a commitment to not lose sleep over that, that pivot and to take my time to thoughtfully, you know, develop kind of a new framework um, and to not just rush and slap something together. Yeah. For me, it just actually, as you said, I, I think the world needed to slow down and this was God's way of telling us to do it. But but it also um, provided me with a lot of excitement about what we could do because the rules were changing. So it, it was, um, why not? Mm -hmm. I love that. What are you most grateful for? Mm -hmm. You know, these days, nature, art, community. Um, yeah, a lot of my... My early career was in activism, and so I still have that activism bent within the queer world and kind of synthesizing queerness and healing and nature and art. Um, so very much in alignment with the work I'm currently doing, but just seeing how it can ripple out in different mm -hmm. extensions and in different communities. Yeah, awesome. Well, it is time now for me to warn those that are just listening to please go get your paper and pencil so that you can get the information on how to get in contact with Greg. So Greg can be reached via email at a, uh, Prisma, I'm sorry, let me just get Greg at Greg, W-I-E-T-I-N-G.com. So that's Greg with one G at G-R-E-G-W-I-E-T-I-N-G.com. His website, he's got two, which um, I guess, which do you prefer me to share? Um, Prismamethod.com will take folks over to the online community and gregwhiting.com just shares a little bit more about me and my one-on-one -on -one work with folks. Awesome. Okay, great. So um, gregwhiting.com, first name, last name, and prismamethod.com. Again, 
If you want to know more about what that is, that's the site that you want to go to. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. You can search his name. He has a, a gift for you guys. So if you would just um, share with the audience what your gift is. Yeah, so the seven Prisma pillars are really the, pill, the drop pins on this roadmap to healing that help us traverse kind of the journey from pain to purpose, you know, and that starts from nervous system regulation and takes us all the way to kind of impact, you know, uh, mm -hmm. deriving a sense of a lot of folks I work with are, are made of purpose, but they're lacking that fulfillment. So helping to locate that fulfillment and that, that meaning and significance and purpose. Awesome. So you can go to gregwhiting.com slash free Prisma download. That's F-R-E-E dash Prisma, P-R-I-S-M-A dash download to get that information. Again, it will be shown on my website as well as YouTube. So it has been a great pleasure. I enjoyed very much hearing about what you say. It's um, it's interesting. This must be my week because I've had uh, each of my speakers talking about sort of about this topic. But I think it's so important for us. There are so many people that are trying to get better, trying to feel better. And um, having some guidance, I think, is really the key. And so having folks like you to be an option for them is important for me to share with folks. So thank you so much for sharing your tools, your tips, your insights, your story, and being authentic about, you know, your pain that you went through to get to the solution and sharing that with others. Thanks, Vicki. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be here with and you. As always, I ask you, everyone uh, listening in, to please remember that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride this is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.